Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Mug Recap here on 720. It's July 20th of 2022, which means that we're spinning around twice in a full two full circles. Yeah. 720. That's what it is. See? Is it? Yeah. 360, 720. Oh, okay. I thought this was like some astronaut, like astrological anomaly day where it's like no, the no, world no, no, goes no, no. around twice. Have you been wondering why it got dark really quickly at like noon today? Like, no, it's no. it's like how in February people were like, oh man, look at the palindromic date. And it's like, what significance does that have? None. It just won't happen again for a very long time. I, it's almost like they're trying to play at my anxiety, just like it's never going to happen again. Like, oh, I need to get the most out of two, 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 two. I can't, I can't let February second, two thousand two, just go to waste. It you, is, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, all, all time yeah. isn't a time is artificially created human concept, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. Call special attention to my cat, Professor Peanuts. He's in the background. Uh, I'm working, so he has to work too. Get (laughs) that's why he's needing all that dough back there. That's right. I can't just sleep here. I've got to make sure everything's prepped, and I'm going to be at this for uh, until I get bored. Yeah. I I had so I got this cat partially like kind of like you know a, a, a new life in the house after after Mikey's passing and everything like that and I named him Peanuts because I thought Mikey would enjoy that name. <laughs> a moment happened last night that I was like, if Mikey, if there is a heaven, I guarantee Mikey was cackling his ass off because I was laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep, and the cat went in the litter box. And ha- took the most human-sounding dump I have ever heard <laughs> anyone ever do. Like, it was full-on, just like, um, half. <laughs> like, like, almost like a prank. Like, I really got up. I was like, are you okay? Like, why was that so loud? And then he just looks at you. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the cat just brushed it off afterwards. He got out of the litter box. He's like, I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> carried on his way i was like are you sure because i would have needed a nap after a dump like that <laughs> professor peanuts did you just take a horrific dump <laughs> verily smokes a bubble pipe <laughs> where did you get that pipe <laughs> uh, mysteries to the cosmos you'll be one day made aware of Should you go, go clear my shit human <laughs> <laughs> You, this was part of our arrangement, do you understand? <laughs> it was in the fine print of the contract, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> there was a contract? Yes, when I walked over that paper. It just looks like you just, like, crumpled up a wad of paper because you stepped on it a whole bunch. Like, ah, to the untrained eye, mayhaps. But, indeed, no, it is a legally binding contract that claims, and I quote, <clears throat> Clean up my shit. <laughs> He's just like, dare you besmirch the sanctity of the contract? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of manga. Okay. We have a whole bunch. We have a whole bunch. We'll get to it eventually. We've got like seven chapters yeah. of one series talking. It's only like five, but it's it feels like oh, a lot. Man. Um, I had a I had a weird headache like all day, so I hope it's nothing that'll make me like have any sort of like uh, difficulty wrapping my brain around it. Oh no, uh, no, super straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not dumb. 
<laughs> super it's gonna definitely tickle your br- that part of your brain that wants to see like cool ideas executed in fiction and like examine them and follow along with them that part's definitely gonna get tickled so don't you worry oh awesome nice yeah. well we do have other stuff to get through before we get to that however so uh we're gonna begin with a return to My Hero Academia, which was off uh, last week, mm-hmm. it's a uh, chapter 359, Place of Learning, which uh, features a big old two-page spread. Uh, I believe that this is celebrating not only the eight-year anniversary of My Hero Academia, but also, hey, there's a new anime season coming out as well, all this stuff. Uh, so approximately all of the characters in the series are featured in this two-page spread. It's It's, a lot of them. It's very interesting because there are some people not featured, and most of the people not featured are those who are canonically dead. Like, Sir Night-Eye does not appear in this. However, characters like Mm. Lady Nagant and Mr. Compress and uh, not Old Torino, Gran Torino, whatever his name is. Gran Gran Torino is. uh, Those are are all there, kind of seeming to indicate all three of those characters are still alive. I think Gran Torino we knew was mostly alive, but Mm -hmm. the idea like, oh, hey, maybe those characters are still alive? I don't know. Uh, I went into this chapter and a whole lot more uh, when I guested this week on the My Hero Academia podcast, which you can go check out uh, any place that you can find podcasts. So go take a look at that. Uh, and you'll hear my thoughts and mostly people who know a lot more about my hero talking about it uh, around me as well. So you'll get to hear actual good opinions on my hero academia and not be being like, who's this? I don't understand. <laughs> There's a business class since when? That, uh, <laughs> yes, this has been established. <laughs> it's just that it never comes up, admittedly. <laughs> uh yeah, that's how we open up this chapter with, um, <laughs> it's such a weird little note, honestly. There are business course students from UA who are at the facility where Bakugo and the others are battling Shigaraki because they're making a documentary about the battle, like a war documentary, essentially. And there is this entire like two page long conversation that takes place between a few of the students about how important this is versus, oh, my God, this is kind of crazy and stuff. Uh, But one of them is like, no, 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 this is very important. You know, the business course, we always our job to promote heroes. We form a bridge between heroes and the rest of society. And this is the culmination of all of our learning at UA. And we're going to document how we all achieved victory here today. It's like, all right. You're not really, you're holding a camera phone, dude. Like, (laughs) you're not out there punching Shigaraki in the face. I do, I do like it because it's like, hey, we've seen how the support class like how they're in this fight because it's like we know how the fighter people are doing things the hero course or whatever and it's like hey here's how the support class is handling things i do like the idea of showing like here's how the support or the business class is handling it kind of the only way it does it doesn't have quite the same execution of like the pr guy from border being like it's my job to spin this now but it is in a very similar note of like all right cool moment uh and uh, we then transition from that 
to where we left off the last chapter with Bakugo unleashing his super ultra mega howitzer impact right in Shigaraki's face. There's a huge ass explosion that goes all the way like out of the arena that they're floating in. Uh, and then we deal with the aftermath of such a huge blast going off. Uh, we cut to all the different uh, heroes who are in more like support roles uh, in this facility, uh, like Aizawa trying to keep Monoma focused. Uh, Yairozu is trying to create, you know, parts to replace all the stuff that's getting broken and destroyed and wrecked along with Cementos. Uh, and Kaminari and some others are, of course, applying power and electricity and stuff. And someone brings up like, oh, man, it was really reckless of Bakugo to blow shit up like that because we've got to keep this prison intact. And Kaminari says, no, 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 no. Actually, Bakugo does sweat the details. You wouldn't believe how many times he's ordered me to keep my left hand up on the table during meals. Okay. You know, it's an important thing. Like if you keep if your left hand isn't on there, how are you going to eat? the science <laughs> um is it or one of them is either one of kaminari or bakugo are they left-handed i don't know i wonder if it's a thing where they I don't sit, think so they, like they sit next to each other and it's like oh because normally like it's not an issue but if you have two people you like a person on the mm-hmm. left you know and the person on the right like oh we're gonna bump our hands yeah and that's nicole's right. left-handed we run into that all the time when we sit next to each other so Cool rules. Nicole's great. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking awesome. I should like marry her or something. You should. Yeah. Get on it. Okay. <laughs> Set the task <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh so of course people were at the point like, what the hell are you bringing up Bakugo being a stickler for table manners right now? And he's like, no, no, no. See, he he you know, he's he's actually particular. He won't fight haphazardly. Anyway, Bakugo's arm is fucked up now. Oh man! Like so, at first it's just like, oh, they broke up his little his little grenade thing. thing. Like, oh, yeah. that's a shame. Oh, never mind. It's much worse. <laughs> it's bad. It's it's very bad. Uh, it seems as though like he launched his hand at full force, and Shigaraki just kind of snatched it while he was trying to do the explosion, and. Uh, He's never going to be able to use his arm the same way. Like if that if that if that makes a quote unquote full recovery, he's going to have like permanent nerve damage. It looks fucked up and horrifying to look at. Now this is a world of magic, and Airy can always rewind things back. So you yeah. know, there's mm-hmm. hope that it won't be that bad. But yes, it it is definitely a severe injury. Yeah. All for one, speaking through Shigaraki, said, you know, basically brings up like he understands how Bakugo's abilities work uh, and how he condenses blasts to pack more power into them and also to avoid, you know, uh, collateral damage. And he says, and that's why this has got to go. Referring to Bakugo's, you know, hands. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, he then says something that is pretty cool, which is sorry, but your growth and progress still don't interest me. Which is like, yeah, that's pretty cold and and cool. Just to like, yeah, I don't care how much you've grown. You're just not interesting to me. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. So, uh, best genist and Miriko rush in to try and fight Shigaraki as well. And Shigaraki is like, hey, 
why do you think that you, it's a good idea for you to fight me at close range? If you get up close and personal with me, then that just means that you're going to deal with my power. It's on par with all mights because I'm growing to contain my quirks. That's how it works. Didn't you know? Uh, and he does something. I, I, I don't know exactly what. Maybe he I believe throws he, I believe Bakugo. He, I believe he swings really really hard and it just it it looks like an explosion goes off yeah but i think he just swung his arm really really hard so both bakugo and the pro heroes go flying and bakugo is immediately like oh that was my best move what I like is he gets really into baseball analogies. Oh, so, yeah. That was the biggest grand slam that I've got. Am I not even close to the major leagues? Oh, man. Shigaraki's getting real tough. I better steal home before this is all up. All right. I'm up to bat. Base is loaded. Time to really slug one out. Take me out to the bullet. Someone's <laughs> like, Bakugo, shut up and kill him. Listen, this is very important. We're at war, as in winds above replacements. And so it's time that we whip ourselves into shape. I just wanted to cut after this fight. Stunned Bakker goes like resting on the couch, just like turns on the TV and baseball's on. He's like, oh, is that what this is? So boring. It sucks. <laughs> just changes to like monster trucks wrestling each other. He's like, yeah, <laughs> monster truck wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite show. Everyone's watching it. It's the best. Uh, so there is a weird thing that happens in the next few pages because we go from Shigaraki being like, you don't interest me at all, Bakugo, to actually you interest me a great deal, Bakugo. But it just has nothing to do with how strong you are. He says, the only thing that interests him about Bakugo is how you're closer to Izuku Midoriya than anyone else. Well, don't tell the internet that. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's going to start an entire d- debate about, you know, it's, oh, is this relationship problematic? Do you forgive Bakugo or not? Why? How can you ship them? It's so, it's so messed up. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Look, Shigaraki, of course, he has, you know, weird uh, views on what characters should go together. I bet that he also thinks the Joker and Harley Quinn is the best relationship. He's like, I liked it before they broke up, but I like his new girlfriend even more because she's more subservient. I'm like, that's not how the relationship works either. I think this Joker girlfriend kind of takes advantage of him. Um, I don't. I am not. Oh, it's not familiar that there was a punchline, I think is her name. Really? I okay. Think so. All right. Uh. Anyway, so he's like, eyes out. When I play Persona Five, the only person I ever get with is the teacher. Like, why did you mm-hmm. find the, the one really problematic relationship <laughs> in that one? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> when I read, we never learn. <laughs> It's the teacher every time. When I read you never learn, I skip all the endings except the teacher one. When I read Nisako, I think that he should have ended up with Oh, uh, what's her name? Uh <laughs> He's like, the teacher one. You know which one I'm talking about. Don't make me say and remember her name. <laughs> but I'm a really big fan of them. Yeah, I think that they were great together, you know. 
Um, Raku and um, I want to say Yugi. Sarah. Uh, <laughs> so, I want to say Penelope. <laughs> like Penelope, but different. Penelope. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so the situation it'd be bad so uh, be Izawa, yeah Izawa starts screaming out uh trying to say hey mandalay where the hell is midoriya and she says that she can't get in touch with him because the wonky electromagnetic waves are affecting things and i've been getting nothing but static for a while wonky wonky uh Aizawa is really, really worried about Bakugo because, you know, it looks like he's going to die. So he shouts out to all the pro heroes that are there and says, listen, you got to protect Bakugo. Once he graduates from UA, he's aiming to be number one. And also he's, you know, like a, 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 he's a, a child. child. <laughs> well, you should protect, protect him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Fucking Odro just gets blasted in half and Aizawa's like, he wasn't going far. Don't worry about it. Don't let that one sound your conscience. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I, uh, I'm a homeroom teacher. I, I have full access to uh, his, his, his uh, grades, and uh, it's all right. It's all right. He wasn't doing much. <laughs> Some rebel moves as Sun Eater gets up, and uh, he looks over at Nedjure and says, I really wanted a proper graduation ceremony, which uh, is a little bit weird, but I get the impression that they think that they're going to their deaths right now. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so he says, hey, once the battle is over, let's have Principal Nezu throw one for us. Or I think that's actually Muria who says that, since that's a nice optimistic thing to say. Uh, and Sonny is like, do we even stand a chance? And Mirio says, if nothing else, until Midoriya shows up, we'll protect everyone with our triple threat power. And there's a big full page spread of the three of them taking fighting stances as Mirio pulls himself literally out of the ground with his uh, intangibility. Yes, it's 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 a cool scene. I'm excited to see the big three do something. It's just a delay tactic. We know they're ultimately not going to win, but mm -hmm. hopefully they can show off some very cool powers and hold off Long Protector to get there. I mean, I'm excited to see Lemillion again. I'm excited to yeah. see Sun Eater again. I'm excited to see Nezure do something. Uh, <laughs> it's telling that they have this contest. exchange. It's telling that they have this exchange and you've got Sunyer being like, oh, it sucks that we're here. And Mira being like, it'll be OK. We're going to protect everyone. Nedjure's one line is, yeah. You're not like, wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> they really they really do have two characters with like important amounts of power, like uh, personality and character to them. And then she walks up and because the conversation wasn't about a beauty contest she was in recently <laughs> she has nothing to add she's like yeah sure <laughs> oh man but yeah uh, I wasn't uh, it, it's I guess I wasn't really expecting to see you know the, the big three get uh, a spotlight like this it'll be uh, interesting to see if just how much of it one that they get yeah. so Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, Nick, let's move on to Undead Unluck. Number 119, if I can't overcome him. So last time, Billy showed up to save Tatiana, 
And he's just like, Unruin, you're about to experience unspeakable level of humiliation, courtesy of yours truly. Otherwise, it would be unfair now, wouldn't it? And he's there to help. Everyone's like, this dude's so great. But everyone's like, you're the negator that betrayed Union. So that you can go through the loop. Why are you gaining my way? Like, shouldn't you just help me kill her? That'd be great. And he's like, I'd never let a hand of a gutless coward. <laughs> Billy's like, uh, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's far easier now that you bring it up. <laughs> and I have a lot of guns. Uh, he just says, I only help those who abide by the rules. And Ruin's just laughing. He's like, why did you form un- under that? You could have done so much more by fighting alongside each other. You're a big idiot. And Billy's just like, yeah, a damn fool. That's why I'm here. And you know, there's a big clash. And he uses Unchanged to keep himself. And Ruin's being like, ah, you're the one with the copy ability, right? What do you have? Unchanged, unbalanced. Eh, whatever. I really hoped he would say on whatever, <laughs> but eh, whatever is great. That's he... right. It's on whatever. <laughs> yeah. He goes and basically like slash right through Billy's arm, cuts it right off. Like he's, yep. he's doing his attack. That's going to kill him. Billy has to basically like shoot his own arm off to prevent it from killing him. And Tatiana, like fucking a Pokemon, like one, not like when a Pokemon battle was happening, like Misty or Brock or someone would stand right. beside me like, ha, they're just wasting their efforts. Billy could just regenerate his arm with the power of undead. Mr. Billy. <laughs> and like, he's just bleeding out. And I'm like, why aren't you copying your abilities? Like you have Andy's ability, right? And Ruin just says, or maybe there's a reason why you can't use them. And the fight keeps happening. There's just someone asking, like, hey, like Tatiana's like, why aren't you using other people's abilities? Like, what are you doing? Like, use Unmove, Unstoppable. And Billy's like, I can't use them. You guys are too kind. And they're like, well, all right, well, here's what, like, what do we need to do to let you have our power? Like, Fuko was shouting us, like, just tell us what to do and we'll give them to you. And Billy says, you can't, especially not you or Tatiana. I came here to lend a hand. I can't afford it. And he's holding the union communicator in his hand and he calls out to top and tops like being kind of friendly. He's like, what is it? Billy old goofy. You finally reflected on your ways and coming back to you. And Billy's just like, I'm the one who let ruin kill Fuko. And, <laughs> and immediately <laughs> you just see tops eyes fucking wide. And, and Tatiana's like, why are you lying? They're like, yeah, what do you, you're like, I like ruins. Like, yeah. Why yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, hey, whoa, you, we were working together. But then Billy suddenly uses Unstoppable. And they're like, wait, why did you just use that right now? So he's like, all right, you guess you can't copy. No reason to hold back. He shoots out all of his blood and then gets all his communicator again. And he's like, Jakara. And he's like, oh, yeah, Mr. Billy, what's up? He's like, I killed Tatiana. And Tatiana's right. Oh, you, what? You killed Top? <laughs> Tati- Tatiana? Tatiana. <laughs> you killed Top, you bastard. Uh and immediately he says, I'll see with sound. And he holds out his arm and he, you know, he basically stops the torrent of blood. And they're like, wait, what's going on? Is is he stopping this? Is this unchanged? What's going on? And Billy explains that this is his negation ability. If my target views me as a threat, I can copy their ability. The fairness of each user having only one ability is something that by having multiple abilities, I negate. And on the day I betrayed you, I tried to make all of you view me as a threat 
so that I could steal all of your abilities. This is why I formed Under and Betrayed Union. Some of you shouldn't have to fight. Some of you are just trying to live your life. So I figured everyone would hate me and I could fight all on my own. And he just, he admits, he's like, it was kind of stupid, wasn't it? Like, I couldn't really make a convincing villain and now I could put that to rest because in the end, I couldn't steal your ability or your sense of duty and those are the most important parts to slaying God. You know, Fuko, you've been nothing but kind. The thought of hating me never even crossed your mind. That kindness saved Tatiana, and if I could swap places with you now, I would. But since I can't do that, I'm going to go all out to keep you and Fuko alive and well. And he's like, a lot of people have suffered, all for the sake of my ego, but if I could face that one pathetic idiot that's standing in your way and overcome him, and he says this as he basically shoots himself up through the blood turret, up towards Ruin, shoves his gun in his mouth, and fires. And he just says, well, that would be just unfair. We get finally the big unfair uh, title card thing. Yeah. It's a great uh, image of it, too, with, you know, Ruin's head just going, ah, as it's been blown <laughs> apart. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it all, all makes sense when you lay it out like that. Uh, I like the quick demonstration of his power where he just like, hey, Top, you suck. <laughs> that would be great if that's all he had to do. Top, you blow. <laughs> like, wait, what did he say? Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do like it. It makes sense. It it feels like a better justification for, because this is a character trope that's done a lot. Like, the character who pushes everybody away because he wants to protect them. And usually it, it's a very frustrating thing until you get, like, the mechanical logic of it's so he could get their powers and he wanted to protect them. Because he could just take it and he's like, I'll use Undead and I'll use Unlock and I'll win it. Uh, I would love to, at some point, go back and kind of reread certain parts to see if you can really see him trying to, like, kind of nag, like, Fuko and characters like that on. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's it's super cool the the shot of him just blowing ruin's head off is so cool it's it's very good all around yeah i do like that you know this also serves an explanation for why he only had access to certain abilities and not others yeah. you know he could use unjustice sure because jewies took him seriously uh but he could never use untouchable because tatiana was like no he's my dad and i'm not going to you know i'm not you know gonna believe that he actually is going to destroy the world and stuff um, and then it's just, Fuko's just too fucking nice. So she, she, she's like, no, I'm going to, with Shonen friendship, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep beating down on you until this all works out. And then she's just like, God damn it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't work. You're too fucking nice. <laughs> Stupid, nice children <laughs> being friendly. Uh, okay. Okay. Here. All right. Quinn. So yeah, crack your knuckles, get ready. So. As if to follow up, last week I said, hey, you're not going to hear us talk about nope. Eden Zero again until the chapters nope. come out. No, we won't even bother to mention it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, immediately following that episode, an announcement was made, hey, chapters are coming out, and I think they all came out on, like, the 18th or the 17th or something like that. I love Crunchyroll is still way behind on them. <laughs> well, 
Atsuki, which I use, uh, had them all. So five chapters came out. And there's a lot to get to. And this is like a greatest hits run of everything that we do when we talk about Eden Zero. So let's really quickly, as fast as I can, I am going to condense these as much as possible because uh, it would take forever to recap all five chapters like normally. Uh, run through these chapters. So we're going to start with 196. The four shiny stars extinguished. Uh, Hermit had just defeated Killer. And Killer's like, all right, well, if I'm going out, I'm taking you with me. And he explodes. <laughs> and I guess the explosion infects Hermit with the computer virus. Don't worry. This is very scary and going to be dealt with in exactly the same tension as it's been delivered with here. Uh, we cut over to Shiki and Wise, who are stuck in that other world dimension thing from Killers. They find Rebecca, who's basically like being held like a cross. And they just grab her and they're like, cool, let's get out of here. Um, let's get out of here before she loses even more clothing. Yeah. Uh, they're back in the Coliseum. They're like, cool, what's going on with Hamora? And they see Hamora smashed into a wall. And then Brigadine's still being there. And Shiki's like, Hamora! And then we cut away. It looks like Hamora's down for the count. There's Clown. And Clown's like, I'm going to fight you, uh, witch. And because the chapter's called The Four Stunning Stars Extinguished, we needed to see Hermit in a bad spot and Hamor in a bad spot, and to cap that all off, which is defeated because uh, Clown summons a big cat that just eats her. <laughs> it's very, very strange. Yeah. Especially because, like, the way she quote-unquote is eaten is just her upper half just kind of goes in the mouth while she goes, Ah! <laughs> ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's a weirdly cartoonish way of uh, the distress of her situation being delivered. Like there's obviously she's a machine, so there'd be no blood anyway, but it, it's, it's more just like, Oh yeah. Well, she's, she's half in the mouth now. Like, you know, like a dog swallows a cat in a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. So, so it looks like they're all done and clown. It's like time to get Ethereon. Uh, but Nick, Thank God we didn't have to leave off on that cliffhanger. No. Straight into chapter 197, Confidence, uh, where we go back 15 minutes to explain what happened with Homor. And it's the dumbest shit in the fucking universe. uh, Brigadine is just like, I was killed once by Bob Lucci, who was the strongest (laughs) member of the Eurasian Six. And now I'm even stronger than him. So no one can ever beat my battle of strength. That's just never going to happen. I would have only been uh, matched by Valkyrie and her invincible sword. And Hamora act, you know, does her overdrive and everything like that. And she's like, I may not be as strong as my master, but I can beat you. And Brigadine's like, no, I've calculated it mathematically. There's never a chance that you could beat me. And he punches her into the wall that we saw her in before. But before he, like, gets that big strike in, Hamor does a bunch of attacks. And he's like, see, you can't do it. <gasps> oh, you did? You cut through my armor. And Hamor is just like, yes, when you lower your, when you go to attack, your defense is always lowered. And that's how I beat you. Uh, and that's, that's how armor works. Yeah. And that's how we cut back to the present with Brigadine being like, no, I'm dead now. and just gets cut in pieces. Oh, <laughs> uh, you thought that I was alive, but actually it was just like, you know, samurai showdowns were like, you know, the guy's still standing for a while. And then they fall over. Yeah, I was just standing up here for a really long time before you showed up. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm in like 50 pieces now. <laughs> it's supposed to be a very cool scene. Uh, it's just not because it's not a particularly interesting conclusion to a fight. But whatever, you know, uh, it's fine. Hamor is like, did I do my duty as one of the shining stars? And Cheeky's like, I don't care about that. I just want you as my friend. So that's a little bit sweet. <sighs> Let's talk about chapter 
198 Nightmare, where we cut to the sister and Rebecca fight. Like, Clown walks past Hermit, who's, like, on the ground, like, convulsing. Like, she's, because she's just dying at this point. And Clown goes to activate and get into Ethereum. He's like, Lord Ziggy, Ethereum will be yours at last. And then sister's like, no, it won't. And she walks by Hermit, who's like, sister. And she's like, you're healed now. Like, like <laughs> she just throws her hand out. And Hermit's like, oh. cure moderate wounds. Oh, you're fine. I think I'm better. <laughs> you're like, sure. Fuck you, whatever, dude. Um, so he's like, I thought you got eaten by a huge beast. But she's like, yeah, girl gets gnawed a bit. And you blow the whole thing out of proportion. And basically what she just did is she just healed the cat so much he exploded and died. And Clown's like, that's ah, kind of fucked up. Like, the life of Eden and you killed an animal? And she's like, I don't know, you made like an evil cat out of ether. It doesn't really count, dude. So who gives a shit? Uh, so Clown activates his ability and it manifests in these weird tendrils. And he's like, you're going to the nightmare dimension. And sister's like chained up. She's like, no, I am not a sub. This is, I'm not a switch. Like, I am only Dom. I like to do the time. And if, because we have to get weird and creepy, Clown's like, yes, I had Rebecca here not that long ago. And, you know, she would have died here. And, and Rebecca, or sister's like, wait, Rebecca was here? And she imagines what it was like for Rebecca to be here. For some reason, in her mind, Rebecca's in a bikini in the scene. And she's like, yeah. oh, I'm actually getting kind of hot and aroused by thinking about this. And I'm like, that's a very fucked up thing for you to say about a friend of yours. <laughs> but you know what? Why are we? Why should we stop here? <laughs> because... Then we get really weird and fetishy, and we get some tentacle stuff. It's kind of gross. Um, I think this is, like, you could easily read this as something that's supposed to be body horror, because it's like she gets impregnated with, like, maggot leeches that, like, explode out of her stomach, but it's like... Yeah, it's like, like the, entire the entire lower half of her body gets ripped off, basically. Yeah. But it's not entirely, like... It's not actually gory, so it's it's hard for me not to read this again as kind of fetishy in some way. Like, what? I mean, like, uh, look, Quinn. I've watched pa about... two pages before this happened. She was imagining how hot it was for Rebecca to be tied up. So obviously yeah. this can't be sexual at all. We did, we did the sexual thing before this. This is the serious part. Yeah. No, I've watched. Look, I've typed Sonic the Hedgehog into DeviantArt before. I know what comes up. <laughs> this is a fetish <laughs> this is i found it <laughs> officers right here uh now so she's like oh no the nightmare starts she's like this sucks I i'm gonna activate my ether gear overdrive whatever thing now and she becomes a dominatrix and she just starts whipping them over and over again and that's how the fight ends it's just dumb um she does like at the end be like i won't kill you though so there you go there's that so we'll move to chapter 199, Sick yeah. Knox. This, oh, my God. This is the one everyone's excited about. Nick. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we start on the Eden Zero. They're doing the their, their big attacks. Things are going relatively well. We see Holy's about to show down with, uh, with Dead End Crow, and that's important. Moscow is apparently like the bridge status updater uh, working alongside their captain. And that seems so wrong to me to have Moskoy be like the number one on the on the bridge. Just imagine, you know, the crew of the Enterprise, you know, there's a panicky situation. They're like, What's going on? And Moskoy's like, well, no, no, no. why are you here? Yeah. 
Uh, I would also like to add another note that the conflict between Clown and Rebecca and Rebecca being saved from Clown's dimension and then Sister fighting Clown were all resolved without Labilia actually being involved. So I'm still not entirely certain yeah, what that entire go? bit was. So <laughs> just, to, just to clear that up. Um, uh, fucking Agnoelia or whatever her name is, is just like... Don't you know dragons have an ex- excellent sense of smell, Lord Justice, and shoots a laser beam at, at Justice, and he dodges. And Urza's is like, this isn't funny. Get rid of these restraints. I can help you. And then we cut over to the fight in space. Eraser's racing, and he's like, look at all these dragons. And I forget this character's name. I think it's like fucking Spot or some horseshit like that. I don't know. The one character of the Eurasian Six Interstellar no one knows about is like, all of them are here. The gang's whole, all here. All of the Eurasian Sticks Galactica are here. And they're like, what Including do you Saint Fire Knox. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, Who yeah. is the mysterious Saint Fire Knox? We don't know. We yeah. don't see their face. We know nothing about them. We, we know a little tease that they are part of a religious organization. It's crazy. Uh, so everyone's shocked. But like, wait, Saint Fire Knox is here too? This is crazy. Like, this is, this is, like, unbelievable. Uh, we get over to the rest of the main group who are heading in. They're like, all right, let's do this. Get in. Summon the chronophage and destroy the whole planet. Let's do this. But they start picking up some life readings coming from the compound. They're like, oh, well, Connor did say that there were people on this planet. This must be, like, the prisoners of the planet, basically. Like, let's go in. So they get in there, and there's basically, like, a giant factory. And we get like a two-page spread of this. It's like wall to wall of like tubes, test tube like uh, tank people, and they're all women, and of course they're all naked because it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "What's going on here?" And we're always like, "Oi, you gotta be gotta be pulling me leg here. Me mom's in one of those tanks." And then Hamora's like, "My mom's in one of those tanks." <laughs> Why is her hair still done up like that? Well, Nick, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't you worry. There's there's plenty of justification for everybody coming up next chapter. We uh, made sure to take off all of her clothes, but we kept her ornate hairpins in. <laughs> enough people were like, I don't know who this is if her hair isn't done up the iconic way. <laughs> so, uh, And they're like, oh, this is an illusion. And Ziggy's like, not an illusion, no hologram. I collect moms. <laughs> And that's his explanation. He's like, everyone I've collected here is a mother. The human species possesses a special ether that exists in only those who have become mothers. And they're like, why are you collecting them? And he says, oh, look. And he he gravity pulls a tank from the wall. He's like, this one is a mother as well. Saint Fire Knox, Rebecca's mother. And this is meant to be a twist, but we know nothing, nothing. about Saint Fire Knox. So who gives a shit? You could have oh. said her mother was like Nancy Reagan. It means the exact same. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh. Seems very silly. Again, Thank goodness we didn't have to leave this cliffhanger off here because we have one last chapter to talk about. Chapter 200, Alternative. By the way, every time St. Fire Knox comes up, I'm kind of tempted to say it like uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Mm. 
Saint Fire Knox. Not bad. We can make a song out of it. Uh, so Ziggy's like, yes, Saint Fire Knox is your mother, Rebecca. And Rebecca has nothing to say because who gives a shit at this point? And Ziggy just gets charged by Shiki, who's just like, you know, Ziggy pushes him away with gravity. And like, I don't get it. What is our mom? What like what are our moms doing here? And Ziggy's like, and why'd you take all their clothes off? <laughs> yeah, this is so unnecessary. <laughs> Do you need like, like what? What would having clothes on stop them? Could you at least put like a bodysuit or something on them? Like what the fuck, dude? That's my mom. And he's like, yes, your mom does uh, died as a result of having her life force taken by Draken, but the doctors preserved her after all. It turns out. Uh, killer wasn't lying or just stumbled upon the truth who knows anyway they recovered her and brought her here sorry but she's dead and then of course madame Kerr and i were like yes we recovered her two years ago from the sun jewel where she was imprisoned by a gang of delinquents but she was dead so of course she was just abused to death and you know we're not going to dig into that but no you can clearly dig into what that means so that's fucking horrifying and gross Super weird. Thanks. Anyway, she's dead. And of course, dead. to preserve her dignity after such a fate, I'm putting her in this tube and keeping her naked for all eternity. Uh, and then <laughs> he's like, Rebecca's mom it's is not here. a sexual thing, by the way. Yeah. I am a robot. I'm not I creepy. This. I am not creepy. Hey, hold on. Why are you looking at me like that? I the just camera right the there? I'm not. Look, look. All I did was single out women who are mothers, as in it was a specific thing. I made sure that they were mothers, mothers I would like to put in a tube. And then I put them in tubes and they're naked and they're here. And I just kind of, there's like a viewing, they're, they're completely exposed. Nothing covers up their bits or anything. So I can just look at them all the time. But I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> It's not a sex thing. <laughs> That's how he opens it. It is not a sex thing. Shiki, you collected the parents, the mothers of all your crewmates. I was going to comment on how it's kind of weird that he keeps on going. He's like, she is already dead. But I think it's funnier to go. It's like, it's like oh, yes. It is Weiss's mother, Irma Steiner. Her life was stolen by Draken. This is not a sex thing. <laughs> Every time. Kuranai Kogetsu, Homura's mother. She was abused to death. This is not a sex thing. It's not a sex thing. I assure you. Um, he's like, Rebecca, or your mom, Archbishop of the Church of St. Fire, said to have control over time itself. Her powers were identified as a threat, and that's why she was made into one of the Galactica. It was no easy task to recover, but we had to massacre all of her followers. But this one is still alive. And, and it's then, not a sex thing. Yeah. So they're like, holy shit. And then I love this. This is so stupid and unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, also, by the way, more, more moms are here. More moms are here. <laughs> clean and jeans moms. They're here. She's dead. And it's Laguna's mom, whose name is Urfa Hubert. <laughs> She's dead, too. <laughs> it's just like, it's <laughs> happening. You thought that it didn't make any sense to bring up Rebecca's mom is here when her mother was never mentioned. Oh, well, just in case, here's Gin and Cleese. Well, rem mom. remember that there was like a, a detail brought up a very long time ago where all of the members of the Eden Zero kind of commented that they're like orphans. They were like, oh, yeah, I don't have parents either, yeah. and I don't either. So this is like the payoff because all their moms had to get kidnapped to be fucking put into tubes. And I love it because. Amora asks, like, why did you bring our moms here? And he's like, 
to fuck with you, basically. Because it like, is merely to set an example. Any mother would have suffered. Yeah, like, That's why I kidnapped literally thousands of them. That's why I specifically went so far out of my way to kidnap people who are like dead or like were like so difficult to obtain. Like I'm pretty sure Clean and uh, and Jin's mom weren't. <laughs> Wasn't she, like, torn to pieces or some shit like that? Like, wasn't she killed by that doctor? Also, he changes his mind halfway through his explanation. Because he's like, oh, the retrieval of your mothers is to set an example. Uh, but there's an ether that mothers possess. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, he's saying any mom will do. Because there's a special ether in moms. The power to create life itself. Whatever. I Like, does... Do snakes not also possess that ether when they lay the eggs? Like, what the like? What are you talking about? I have put many sponges in these tubes. <laughs> it's not a sex thing. <laughs> Actually, that one is a sex thing. That one, a little bit. Oh, every time that one of them thing. just buds off and becomes its own organism. Oh, that's hot. Actually, guys, I'm gonna be right back. I'm just gonna. Take this tube with me to the back. <laughs> Don't follow me. Spend time looking at your naked moms. I remember that's not a sex thing. This is. This is. Uh, and he's like, yeah, well, <laughs> by collecting all the ether mothers, I will open the path to mother the, of the cosmos. And they're like, Okay, why do you want to do that? And he's like, so I can kill her. Because even if I kill all humans, life can still exist. Life will come back. There might be more humans. So the only way for me to truly achieve my robot dreams is to find the source of all life, which in this universe is mother, and destroy her. So there's really not, like, a concrete reason as to why, like, life ether, I guess, opens the path to mother. Um, I thought it was, like, finding the relics. But I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe all those relics were, like, birthed by people, too, or something. I don't know. Anyway, Shiggy's like, not if I can help it. Uh, he has, like, a weird face in this angle. Like, I guess he's supposed to be really angry, but he just looks like, oh, not if I can help it. And uh, Ziggy just makes a wormhole and teleports both of them away. And he's like, we'll talk later. Anyway, you're searching for the core. Here it is. Good luck with your planet eater plan. Like, oh, no, he knows the plan. That's crazy. So now. Yeah. Uh, so um, I guess um, we can't summon a chronophage here because there is one person that's alive here that we could move. <laughs> Nick, and how would you possibly, here to stop how would we possibly move her? She's in she's like sealed to the wall with those I mean, I guess Ziggy did rip it straight off the wall. So really all you had to do yeah, was Yeah, he, it up he did demonstrate like, oh here they are. Here's all the ones that you might have any reason, you know, personally to retrieve them. Well, he specifically pulled Saint Fire Knox off the wall. So maybe you could have been like, Oh, it's so difficult to like infrastructurally speaking, break it off the wall. Like, no. Hamora could just lift it up and carry it back to the ship or whatever. But there's a there's a moral quandary now, like, what can we do? You know, if we were to summon the chronophage, Rebecca's like, I can't. Cut over to Shiki. Uh, he and Ziggy are on top of a giant robot spire thing. 
and they're like, time to have our fateful fight. And they just punch each other. It's such an unclimactic moment. Uh, but they just punch each other real, real hard. And like the force of gravity, like pushes, starts destroying the building. And she, Ziggy's like, well done. You've grown stronger. And then he kicks. I did the like face. the part where they had, I do like the part where they had, butt each other, yeah. it's a cool two way spread. Yeah, so. It's not bad. Uh, they just do a bunch of like attacks. They shoot like little shards and shit like that at each other. And Ziggy looks in space. He says, so this is the one outside the wheel of time. I forgot about this. This is so dumb. <laughs> and Ziggy, or Shiki's like, what are you talking about? And we cut to 20,000 years later where a spaceman has found Rebecca's B-Cube. And he's like, impossible. This signal. They're life readings. We're picking up a vital signature from the man. He's alive. What is happening? <laughs> I, there what? Was, there was What's a point this? in time where I was like, guys, hero series, just move at a fast pace. I'm now very convinced that this series is ending fairly soon. <laughs> like, it does seem to be rushing towards a conclusion at this point. I don't, I don't think it's getting canceled. Uh, but maybe Hero is just tired of this series, or I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on, what they're trying to accomplish. The reveal of he, Ziggy has been collecting moms from across the universe is so bizarre. And I think it's supposed to be like a holy shit moment, but it just comes off as weird and dumb because it's like... Why do you need them alive? Do they still do moms keep producing life energy for decades after they've given birth? Like, what is that? What does that imply? Like, couldn't you just get like 70 grandmas in this place and be like, cool, like done? Like, why did you need to why do you need to store them and fucking back to tanks? Like, why why is any of this stuff happening? It's it's weird. I mean, I do think that at a very basic uh, conceptual level, the idea of like, OK, you know, the mother is the one who created the universe, created the life of the universe. And so through that, she is connected to any person who has, you know, birthed new life. So it's like, all right, there's a thematic connection there. Sure. And there's like, oh, and there's a connection between them. That blah, 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 blah. OK, you know, at a very basic you're sketching out ideas levels like, yeah, I think that there's something there. The way it is executed is very strange, uh, unnecessarily sexual, which is far for the course. Also, really sexist at a deep underlying level to just reduce all of these people to, oh, they were mothers. And so they gave life. And so that is why, you know, they are a source of power or a connection or whatever. That's why they were born is literally just because they gave birth to other people. Like we don't know anything about most of the characters that were introduced in this manner other than, oh, well, Weiss's mother was kind. And, you know, obviously her death had a huge impact on him. Kogetsu was an asshole uh, and wasn't, you know, Humura's real mother. That was Valkyrie. Uh, and apparently, Rebecca's mother is a member of the Eurasian Seis Galactica, I guess. Sure. What did she do? It's, it's interesting. It's like Hiro read a little bit about, like, symbolism and themes. 
And he's like, yeah, like in my universe, the being that kind of controls all is mother. Like who, who births us more than our mothers? Like, yeah, okay, fair. And he's like, I'm going to put that into a theme. Mothers are going to be important in this series. Like, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Like Hamora was an important character and she had her mom Valkyrie. And that's, that's actually a central arc at one point because she has to find her, her biological mother and find that there's no actual love there. That's a big conflict. And, and there's, there's witch as well. She was the mother of Eden zero and she has to die to protect her family. This is a big thing. And Weiss is motivated by that. And all these characters don't really know their parents. So yeah, it is a big thing. Uh, I don't know if we had to go so literal as like, I need to collect mothers to obtain their womb essence. So I can then open the path to mother. Like that was where you just went a little too far and like trying to theme everything together. You're just like, nope. We we did a dumb there. We can pull. We should just pull it back, and he should just be a weird pervert next chapter. <laughs> like, nope. Turns out I just collect them because I like looking at the boobs. <laughs> just like boobs and tanks. Specifically, moms because their boobs get bigger, and then the bubbles make to go whoop 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 up and down. <laughs> oh, it's so well. Bad. I mean, there is an internal logic to your plan. So Almost give you all that these now. mothers are dead. Is that another thing you're into? He's like. <sighs> no, I'm just sad. <laughs> it's that. There we go. I, I am a robot. <laughs> there were five chapters of Eden Zero. Uh, some of them were just very dumb. Some of them were yeah. very whatever. Some of them were a little bit creepy. And then just like one of the dumbest story momentum shifts around. <laughs> Chapter 200 of Eden Zero, everybody. Yeah, I, I do love that, like. You could be like, oh, what, what happened to, like, chapter 1000 of One Piece? Like, uh, Luffy kind of affirmed, like, he was the Pirate King. It's the two strongest opponents as we, like, brought to, like, the eve of, like, the strongest characters that exist in the series about to have a showdown. What happened to Eden Zero chapter 200? Like, I don't know. Like, Ziggy talked more about his weird mom plan. <laughs> and then he punched. Then they punched each other for a bit on the roof. <sighs> Let's talk about a good series now, please. <laughs> Aliens area? Oh, wait. Oh, no. uh, yeah. Uh, Akane Banashi, story 22, as a performer. Uh, so, uh, hey, it's our actress girl who's just completed her performance, uh, which is uh, Hikaru is her name. That was right. Uh, so big applause for her. Uh, and uh, the journalist guy, you know, thinks to himself like, hmm, I mean, yeah, she got a lot of applause. But the fact that she's doing this in front of the show, Arakawa, this is just like that day uh, during the promotion test that I covered six years ago. All right. Good to know. I feel like this guy might actually like kind of have a recurring role in this story if he's got that, you know, level of connection and understanding there. So he's thinking about what happened with Akane's father and he thinks like, yeah, I mean, he got a really big reaction then, too. So I wonder if there's going to be a similar reaction from Arakawa this time. So. He shows that for his opinion, and he says, I don't think the Chibahama is an appropriate story for a student to perform because the theme is about uh, uh, the, the story is about the love between a husband and wife. And if the performer can't fully embody the subtle emotions of the characters, it makes it very difficult for a student to perform. But you, your mastery of the wife's state of mind has me marveling. You are an incredibly high level of skill uh, for a performer. It was a bit theatrical for my taste, but it was fine nonetheless. So it's one of those things that on, you know, 
in contrast to what he said about the previous one where he was just like, no, I disagree with this fundamentally. This was him saying, like, I usually don't like this. But because of that, I can say your performance was really good. It really bigs up Ikaru. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, then we cut over to uh, just next to him, Ryujaku, who is staring at Hikaru's like portfolio when he has asked for his opinion. So I'm wondering if there is a little something th- uh, there based on that. Uh, Hikaru goes off after getting the feedback and she goes off stage and she starts thinking to herself, you know, in her natural voice, I think I could have done better. My voice was lifting a bit. The tempo was a little too fast. Uh, but as she goes more and critiques her more, she just, you know, kind of like goes, Oh, I, once I start nitpicking, I ain't able to stop myself. Uh, but she thinks about what she had told her manager before, which is was, you know, any fame she had was just because of the story rather than her own skill. And she thinks about what he show said. Your mastery has me marveling at the high level of skill you've reached as a performer. And when she thinks about that, she gets this big, satisfied smile on her face and she kind of pumps her fists. So Isho kind of said the exact thing that she needed from this. Yeah. Um, modern Rakugo guy is like, eh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, and he is already basically sa- saying, like, all right, you know, second place is still nice, whatever, you know. Uh, and someone comes by and he's like, hey, it's not over. There's, there's still, you know, the Jugemu girl, right? And he says, she's not going to win. Look. And he points out at the audience and everyone's like, the big championship match has happened. And there's just like a throwaway tag, six person tag that's after this. So there's people who are going to take a pee break now. Uh, they're like, oh, clearly this thing has peaked. Uh, that I'm going to, you know, go to the bathroom. Uh, and there's people just, you know, having kind of idly chatting about other stuff instead. Uh, so we see that uh, Koguma has wandered off along with Akane's teacher to go and talk to Akane because Koguma is like, yeah, I mean, she's, look, she's going to lose. Uh, the, the students who are here are more skilled than I thought they were going to be. And she decided to be a Rakugoka because she couldn't get over her father's expulsion. Now she's in the presence of the guy who did that. You think that she's just going to suddenly unlock her full potential. The stronger your feelings, the harder it is to control your emotions and the mood of the crowd is going to be against her. So we need to warn her not to push herself too hard or she's going to, you know, fall on her face. Basically, uh, they run into Akane coming down the stairs as she's on her way to the stage. And she looks just like her normal self. Pretty casual. Uh, and Koguma checks with her and says, hey, are you sure you're all right? I mean, you don't even want to look at your show, right? Are you going to be able to stay cool? And Akane looks at him and she says, I've seen Isho Arakawa do Rakugo before I asked to apprentice under our master. And it was a really weird feeling because I can't forgive what he did to my dad. But when I watched him perform, I felt it would be stupid to try to be a Rakugoka and refuse to admit his greatness. My emotions are a mess. So to keep it simple, I just want to know why he kicked my dad out. 
and then I can actually move forward. Which is interesting because it definitely seems like, hey, this whole thing with these shows, like that, this might not even be like a long running thing for this series and for Akane. It might just be like the first hurdle um, along her story. Uh, I, I feel like it's... you'll probably get involved, but this yeah. specific relationship between them might not last very long. Well, I think what we may end up getting is him revealing why he didn't like he he kicked out her dad and it might be an answer she's not happy with. I mean, she's not going to be happy with that answer. He's like, oh, I kicked him out so he could I, I foresaw in the future he was going to do a great job in construction and take care of his family very well. So I wanted to make sure he was on the right path. And also he's going to get hit by a car if he did the next Rakugo competition. So I saved his life. I have the butterfly effect powers. <laughs> This is what a really great skill in Rakugo will give you. Yeah. Precognizance. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see him. Mm. I, I think we're still going to keep seeing him. He's still, I think, going to oh, be yeah. an antagonist. Because the, the, the character needs something to chase after. And this is something yes. there to prove. Like, I can fuck you. This is my Rakugo. Do you think that's why it's called Akane Banashi? Because it's like her Rakugo. No. Okay. <laughs> it's not that at all. <laughs> we, had the same, we had the same conversation with Kuroko's basket. I was like, do you think it's called that? Because this is Kuroko style of basket. And you said the same thing then. You said, shut up, Krin. <laughs> That's stupid. Clearly, it's about Kuroko buying a basket at the supermarket. <laughs> you slapped me. It was pretty harsh. You think the Prince of Tennis is a, is because like his father was the king and now he's like, you know, the heir to the throne. So he's the prince. No, that makes no sense. <laughs> Absolutely not. There is an actual royalty that's going to be handed down. Do you think that Ice Shield 21 is because the character's title is Ice Shield 21? Because <laughs> he wears an Ice Shield and his jersey's 21. <laughs> No, it was about there was 21 eye shields. He got the 21st eye shield 21. That's the only thing it's about. <laughs> Do you think Toriko is named? <laughs> Toriko is in it? Like, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was good. Uh Koguma admits to Akane, to himself rather, that maybe he's actually the one who's not over Shinta getting kicked out by Isho. Um, but uh, Akane is going to go and take uh, the competition and her Akane's teacher is really worried. But Koguma says, hey, she's going to be fine. My little sister apprentice won't come up short. It's very sister. sweet. Yeah. Uh, now, Nick, was it a little hurt? Like the the execution of this chapter because you're like, I mean, he's he it shows like a decent antagonist, but he he doesn't have like a room full of moms he's collected. <laughs> so can I really can I really get that interested in his like his plan? When she gets out on the stage and there's just twos and twos full of naked women that we've never seen before and have no context to appreciate. So it's about the same level of impact. It's like, wait a minute, Kokomo's mom was missing this whole time? Okay. <laughs> this is not a sex thing. Akane, I have collected all of these mothers here <laughs> to taunt you. Uh, as for what actually happened in this chapter, this is very clearly just like a, just like a calm before the storm hype up thing. And it's not a very eventful chapter. 
but it really, really worked for me. I was like, yeah, fucking let's go. Let's go. Let's you know, get into the what's uh, what happens in this big confrontation between Isho and Akane. Now, I really want to see it. I'm going to see what Akane has got planned for her, her next thing. So it was very effective uh, and just like, hey, nothing really happens, but something's going to happen. So get hyped for it. Cool. All right. Aliens area. Chapter number seven, Equipment Two. So, Shiraku is fighting the assassin guy still, and he's going to use Equipment Two. Uh, and the assassin guy has a target laser beam trained on Shiraku, and he's like, My beam has already recharged. I've set the marker's target. It will follow you until it hits you. Once I shoot, your death is certain. Let me repeat myself. I've charged the laser. I just have to hit this button. And it will definitely hit you and kill you. Gonna do it now. Time to hit the switch. Proof. Professional assassin. <laughs> uh, his face gets flattened by some invisible source. And uh, Shiraku says, that's only if you can shoot. Uh, and he knocks the assassin over. And then also the same invisible force hits the targeting beam and destroys it. And he's like, I've deleted the target settings. You were just a tad too slow because you wouldn't fucking stop talking. <laughs> uh, his equipment number two is called imaginary repulsion. It gives him telekinesis. Well, it's also like he pulls things away. You know, it's all sorts of stuff. It's different. Nick. It's not just one thing. It's telekinesis. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he combines it with his equipment one zero gravity to uh um, bounce around really fast, you know, so he's super fast and floaty and, and stuff. Uh, and uh, he just ricochets off a bunch of surfaces after knocking some boxes into the air, bounces off of them, uh, and then gets up close with the assassin guy and just palm strikes him a whole bunch with his invisible telekinesis powers and beats him up. And then the assassin guy goes, I'm no match for him, but the princess at the very least, I must kill you. Even if we both die, I will complete my mission. I'm going to announce everything I do for like 20 seconds ahead of time. So you have plenty of time to react. Uh, he points the laser beam at the, at the princess uh, and Shiraku goes, hey, can you lend a hand? So Shiraku guards her uh, and he just like covers her up with one hand. And he's like, oh, but, but, but how do I do it? And Shiraku says, what's your right hand for? And Tatsumi goes, protecting others. Um, and when the beam strikes towards him, he reaches out and just like palms the blast and stops it. And then uh, Shiraku blams the assassin into a big crater in the ground. And the assassin's like, but the princess, I definitely killed the princess, right? Oh, you've got dark cells in your hand. Dark cells. Yes, that's what they are. Uh, the, uh, and the octopus guy says, I've heard about immutable laws, but. Mm. 
Shiraku just says to Tatsumi, think of it as something very hard. You know, dark matter, dark energy, various dark things exist. When something is non-terrestrial and a mystery to us, we slap the label dark on it, which sounds sort of cool. Yeah, it does. It sounds kind of cool. Like, yeah. imagine if I was like, oh, I need new batteries. But I said, I was like, I need new dark batteries. Yes. It's good to know that Chiraku puts no weight behind this thing that's empowering the person who's supposed to be our hero, but isn't. Anyway, it's there's like. Do you ever super... feel like you want to hurt Austin? Austin? Yeah. For making me read this series? Because yeah, he was the one who decided I had to stay in a recap. It's just not even bad. It's just boring. Okay. I'm going to tell him that you're coming after him. Okay. okay. Like Nick says, sleep with one eye open. Then he said, then he said a slur, which I won't repeat, but <laughs> he was, he was very hard. He was it very was strict. kumquat. <laughs> <laughs> sleep with one eye open, you kumquat. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Austin. You had to read that. Um. So together, Shiraku and Tatsumi have defeated the assassin guy. And Shiraku is like, hey, uh, you know, I want to know more about your abilities. And destiny may have brought us together, but the substance might still explode and blow our, blow our heads off. Just kidding. This was your first job. You did well. Want to be partners? Uh, and they capture the assassin guy. And then they give uh, Payun and her octopus butler guy uh, refugee status. And uh, they live in disguise in an apartment that uh, is where only aliens live. Um, and um, they specifically say, hey, if you got problems, ask the alien custodian. He'll also help you find a job. Uh, and uh, then they Shiraku and Tatsumi leave. And then they enjoy a coffee together while looking at the sunset. And Chiraka says, good job today, Inspector Noob. And um, that's the end of the chapter. It is the end of the chapter. Now, Nick, um, how would you feel about... I'm sorry. Um, I think this is sort of like the end of the volume. Like when the first volume comes out, I think seven chapters is usually what gets in there. Seven or eight, something like that. Um, it does feel like a somewhat curious decision. Like this does feel like a chapter where you could be like, okay, and the future looks bright, but you, you do have to get to the end of this. You're like, man, our lead hasn't done shit. No, <laughs> like seven chapters or like six chapters. So it, it is a little bit strange. Um, I, I'm still in this weird place where I, I want to like this series. Like I, I legitimately do kind of want to get into some of the concepts of it. And I, I do like the idea of like an alien themed series. It seems like it could be fun. I just think this series has really missed the mark by having a protagonist in there that at this point you just don't really care about. Um, like a cool mentor character is sweet, but like, I don't know, fucking like Naruto was doing shit by chapter seven, you know, like that stuff happened. So I don't know. I, I feel like the series needs to put that character front and center or just get rid of him and just have Shiraku. Like, you could just do that, too. That's perfectly valid. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. Just, you know, push Taiju into the background. I mean, Tatsumi yeah. into the background. <laughs> you know, if you don't have anything for him, just like, you know, just only have him show up when you got, you know, a joke for his, you know, one character trait, which is loving his family. Oh, that's that's funny, right? 
it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like, yeah, he loves his family. What a dork. He'll always protect his little siblings. <laughs> his stupid little brother. Anyways, yeah. I, I I would like more, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Let's talk about Blue Box, Nick. Blue Box. It's chapter number 61. Blue Box. That's new. It's new intro for Blue Box. Sure. I'm gonna blue box. Week, what was the thing I did? I'm gonna be like blue box. Blue box. Blue box. Blue box. Chapter number sixty-one. I've got plans. <laughs> um, there is a, a cute little opening joke at the beginning of this, where because we're you know kind of just seeing some of our main cast just enjoying the school festival, uh, and so we start off with Hina. Who's playing a ring toss game that one of the classes has set up, and she's like finishing move butterfly rings, and she like tosses a bunch two rings at once and completely misses. It's like, yeah, that's a very teenager thing to do. I'll give her that. Good stuff. Um, uh, Taiki passes by with Kyo, uh, and uh, they he kind of like recaps what the schedule is that they've got uh, to do. Because uh, they're also talking about like, okay, this is what Hina's state of mind is because this is when the play is going to be. Uh, and Kyo brings up like, yeah, by the way, I've got to like go do my patrol rounds because I'm on the welfare committee. Uh, what, what are you going to do? And uh, Taiki says, well, I mean, I'm going to go and see show in the gang's room. Show in the gang. Show in the gang. Great. That is a good band name. name. That's yeah. great. Uh and of course, he also thinks like, "Oh, and and, and he's like, I'm gonna, you know, go go see a show show with Chinatsu. <laughs> I've got a little something to do." <laughs> and immediately, Kyo just is like, "You're gonna do so much Chinatsu Senpai, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taiki runs into Kishi, who is a character that uh, he beat in one of the badminton meets who really wanted Chinatsu's number. Yes. And they were like, if I beat you, then I get Chinatsu's number and it fired Taiki up. So Taiki won. Uh, and this is a thing that happens. You know, a school festival isn't just for the, the students who attend the school and like their immediate friends and family. They're open to the public. So a student from another another school might go to uh, another school's culture festival. Uh, so, um, you know, they, they kind of catch up really quickly. He, you know, Kishi is like, oh, I heard you beat you, so you should, you, we should play a match. And, and also, oh, also, you should bring me to Chinatsu's classroom. He's like, no. Super weird still. It's not a sex uh, thing. I don't want you saying that. I don't like, well, I mean, I guess you are like 15, so it's, <laughs> you just don't know better. But, um, they kind of like start squabbling and like, you know, kind of like <clears throat> with their arms. Uh, and then, uh, freaking, oh gosh, it's, uh, I forget her name. Cause it's like Karen, Car- Karen, that's it. Yeah. And how are you? They come by and Haru is in his culture festival costume. So he's got this vest on and a tie dress shirt underneath it. Karen, of course, is, you know, a beautiful supermodel who's also wearing, you know, fashionable clothing. And they just do this joke where they're like, oh, look at you guys. You're here. And then it cuts between them and these two fucking idiot kids who are squabbling with each other. And it's like, oh, 
I guess we look really, really stupid next to these two incredibly attractive looking people next to us. So we should stop making even bigger spectacle of ourselves. Um, so, uh, they, uh, agreed to take Kishi to Chinatsu's classroom, but Karen warns Kishi, it'll be quite stimulating. So be careful because she's like that. They get to the class and uh, Chinatsu is in a maid uniform, which she wasn't supposed to be. Uh, and it's it's not like she's like super like sexualized or anything, but it's like, oh, my gosh, she's wearing a maid uniform. It's, so. it's how you would be if you were attracted to somebody and you saw them like in an outfit. You're just like, Absolutely. oh, wow, they look really cute or whatever. And you can't stop looking at yes. them, you know. Both Kishi and Taiki are, you know, picking their tongues up off the floor. By comparison to Kishi, Taiki looks like he's, you know, got it together. It, it, it really does blow my mind. You're just like, wait, this is a show to jump series? Why wasn't the skirt like seven inches shorter? Like, what is this? Why didn't they have a, a, a previous scene where they both imagined her in like a fetishy outfit or something right. like that first? Like, what's what's going on? There's literally zero cleavage to this costume. What's happening here? <laughs> um... So they're both, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. Uh, and, uh, you know, Taiki's like, man, I, I didn't think she was going to be waitressing. And then he looks around and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you know, she's so, so pretty. <laughs> and uh, I this is unfortunately true to life. One of the dudes that's there is just like, hey, do you have a boyfriend? You should give me your phone number. It's like, just leave her alone. Fuck you. She's trying to do a thing. School festival, my Fuck guy. Off. But Nagisa shows up and says, this isn't that kind of establishment. Would you mind not hitting on my girl? Yo, Which, this, good for her. This moment was the moment where I was like, oh, that's what I ship now. Like, I'm, <laughs> Taiki, look, don't worry. You're on, you'd get together with the best girl anyway. Yeah. But these two, I like these two. This I really like this because, I mean, we've seen Nagisa just be, you know, like a kind of level headed supportive friend till now. I like seeing more of this like this character that they bring in this kind of comedic elements because she starts. I was like, yeah, we're on the same wavelength and we're a match made in heaven. We're like peanut butter and jelly. We're like a married couple who can communicate volumes with a simple pass me that. And she's just talking about how they're in sync on the basketball team. <laughs> But she does call her my girl. So. Yeah. Um, but she's also like, fucking stop flirting with her. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, go ahead and handle it. And Kishi is like, is that her boyfriend? <laughs> Kishi, stop being weird. You need a dot-esque reforming of your character to be like, <laughs> I don't know what procedure dot went through, but you need to go through it now. <laughs> uh, immediately, he's like, Ugh. and Taiki's like, She's on the girls' basketball team, dude. And Kishi's just not listening. She's like, I need a drink. And he starts drinking some juice and acting like he's drowning his sorrows in alcohol. And they're like, all right, what the hell? But the, And then Kishi somehow turns on a dime because he sees Chinatsu and Nagisa being friends, getting along. Chinatsu being happy to be with her friend and saying, look at that smile. As long as Chinatsu's happy, that's good enough for me. God, you're so weird, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Please get it together. Taiki does, however, think to himself, I wish I could be the one standing next to her when she looks like that. It's like, yeah, 
I get that. It's yeah. Um, Karen notices that uh, Chinas is coming by and she's like, Oh, Hey, you came. I figured, uh, and, uh, she says, I figured I'd pay homage to your maid outfit because Karen's like that. She's, you know, teasing her over it. Uh, and she says, oh, uh, by the way, Chinatsu, I was hoping to catch the fashion show at 2 p.m. So, uh, yeah, let, let's go together because Kengo says he's on shift and Taiki starts to think, oh, but, oh, but two, we've got like, we were going to go. In. But Chinatsu immediately just says, sorry, I've got plans. Oh, just very simple. And Taiki's like, she's talking about me. Plans with me. I'm the person she's got for plans. With. No, no. Uh, and <laughs> Taiki employs his signature move. Move aside, gum gum gatling. Move aside, Kamehameha wave. It's Taiki's signature technique. Running away from slightly embarrassing situations. Abruptly leaving social situations. Making them far worse than what they were. I have to go see my friend goodbye. <laughs> it's like, so Karen just like is asking other people at the table. Oh, what are you guys doing? I have to go see my friend. <laughs> I never kissed her. And throws the, <laughs> throws the tablecloth over their faces and runs away. It's not a sex thing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> time passes. It's a uh, time for the band that they were going to go and see. It is like two minutes before two o'clock before their meeting time. Taiki's looking at his watch and Taiki's like, oh, Chinatsu Senpai, is, she's not here. Is she late? Are we supposed to meet inside? I, I've never been to a live event before. Uh, which I could strongly relate to. Like, if you're not familiar with how a particular type of get-together works and you're supposed to meet people there and you're the first person who shows up, you're like, what the fuck do I do now? Do I wait inside? I understand that awkwardness. So, uh, but he looks around. He opens the door, looks, sees that the band is getting ready and they're start, starting starting up and the, getting the crowd pumped and everything. And he's like, oh man, this is crazy. There's all these people around here looking excited. But she not she's not here. I, I I didn't make a mistake, right? Did she said that we want we're gonna be at two? I and he even starts to like doubt that it even happened. Uh but just as he's starting to get to that point, Chinatsu gets there and she grabs his hand. Uh well, she grabs him by the arm to get his attention. And she's there in her maid outfit, but with like her, her uh, track jacket over it. So like clearly she was like just on her shift and needed to finish and came here straight away. Yeah. And she apologized for being late. And that's where we end the chapter. It's a sweet little moment. You know, I like seeing these these kids go on their little fun adventures together. And, you know, it, it is it's such a simple series, but there is like a genuine excitement, which you're like in that state of like starting to see somebody and they take an action that shows directly like, Oh, they, they do want to spend time with me. Like, I don't know why there is something yeah. very exciting about that moment where you're just like, oh, they chose me. And it's, it's very sweet. So I, I totally see why Taiki's like so excited about this and him being nervous and everything like that. You know, it's all good. Yeah. And I love the last visual of Chinatsu, you know, having run there, her hair, you know, is kind of like in a weird in between state. Uh, and, and like the track j uniform jacket over 
the mage dress, like that weird contrast between them is yeah. uh, it's like it really stands out. And just like he's, you know, just surprised that she's there, even though he knew that they were supposed to be meeting because he kind of t- talked himself into like, oh, is, is, are we not actually going to meet? Is this, you know, not actually happening? And so he's like pleased, pleasantly surprised all over again that she's there. It's a lot of stuff going on and just, you know, a very simple visual. Speaking of things we're pleasantly surprised by, let's talk about Durando. Okay. Um, pleasantly surprised, Nick. <laughs> chapter 31. <laughs> Just have an aneurysm and die before talking about another chapter. Chapter 31. Traitor! <gasps> uh, last time it turned out that a samurai betrayed the other you samurai. You want to know? Sorry, in a tangent. Uh, and we're not allowed, we're only allowed one of these per episode. So That's once right. we do this, we can't do it again. That's right. Uh, it really does stand to the testament of how poorly the the Star Wars sequels were received. That the term traitor like was such an iconic moment in that yeah. first movie as like a meme. No one gives a shit about it anymore. Like that should be anytime someone says traitor, it should always be like that's go back to it. Traitor whatever. No one does now. Those those yeah. those sequels really took a lot of the goodwill out of the memes. People uh like um named that character tr8r because of that because that's like his only line in that movie <laughs> and then for no reason he just has an awesome fight scene i was gonna say you don't know like, his name <laughs> he has like a giant cool weapon i was like why don't all stormtroopers have this like a like fucking berserk sword sized tomfo or whatever the fuck it was that's okay guys we know what stormtrooper you really like from that movie so we brought them back it's captain phasma <laughs> <laughs> this time she isn't going to get thrown into a garbage disposal. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Um, so Dora and Kusanagi rush off because, oh man, the Morocco team. Oh man, there's trouble. Uh, and Hughes is like, leave them. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck those kids. Dora gets back and, oh man, he runs into Ichiha. Like, the one character that we've actually met before. Uh, and she was like, Oh, we were attacked from behind that guy. He, he betrayed us. And Dora rushes over to them. And is like, you, you, why did you betray us? And that, that summer is like, what? No, Kabaya Kawa's the traitor. And oh man, Ichiha wasted no time. Just like two seconds, Dora had his back turned. He's like, I'm going to get your head off. Uh, but Kusanagi pulls them to safety. So shook. Nick, this moment had me shook. Nick, Do Durandaron has been in a lot of highs recently. The excellent Dosan saga, as we've talked about, the bittering fall of uh Kitakabe, whatever, whatever, uh his death and passing. And then it just hits another goat moment of the betrayal of Achiha. Like this was a mold that's been seen in the organization for years. And like the eventual payoff to this, like there have been theories. There have been people who have definitely theorized since we first saw Chia, like there's something up with this guy. This is a big, this is something's going to happen. Uh, and some people have likened it to, uh, yeah, Aoyama from, from my hero where they were like, this has been kind of sitting in the back burner. It hasn't been the focal point of the story, but one day we are going to get the reveal. 
that Aoyama was the traitor all along. And people have been saying that about China, and it's finally happened. This is a big moment, you know. Um, I think back to, like, the twist about Aizen, you know, when it was revealed that he was the one behind the Soul Society. This is kind of like a similar level twist. Yeah, the betrayal of Billy against, uh, against another, Union. Yeah, uh, yeah. This this would stand up on, I think, the top ten twists, certainly. It's going to be like, you know, Billy, Aizen, uh, Ziggy collects moms, and then it's a Chia. <laughs> like, this, like, these are like the top four, really, when it gets right down to it. This might, this will probably go up, too, as we get more and more context to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, because, you know, it's like, there just seemed to be such a genuine closeness between Chia and Dora. Yeah. Uh, so you got to think, like, what happened here? You they know, liked each this... other so much. They really, yeah. they just adored each other. Was uh, that just an act that Chia was putting on? Or is there some other nefarious uh, force at work here? Uh, but you know what? You know, with a big reveal like this, you know, you're just going to have to you're just gonna have to wait to find out. And I'm sure once we get that reveal, it's going to oh, it's going to be such a huge anticipated moment. It's going to tear our world apart. And then, assuming that it is something that like he would come back from, is there going to be like a redemption saga? Yeah. Is there going to be a moment where she turns back to the side of good? That's something that you could do. Hold and, off on for like ten years. Endeavor can lick the furthest point of my taint. I don't give a <clears> shit about his redemption arc, and she is redemption <laughs> arc is what we're all invested in. I want to see this guy have to climb back into the good graces because he has gone far, and who knows if he can ever truly be forgiven for what he's done. Uh, anyway, uh, it turns out that she is the traitor and Dora says, I don't believe it. It's she, it was you, which is normally the moment for, you know, the, the, the villainous traitor to reveal, you know, something of like what they've been doing behind the scenes to betray everyone. Uh, and said, Kusanagi says, that's a Chiha, but it isn't a Chiha. When we spoke to a Chiha just now, there was a weird vibe in his supernatural energy and we attacked us. It became super clear she has possessed. So uh, there you go. Three three pages after um after after it turns out he's the traitor. Uh, the, the explanation is given for why he's the traitor. Uh, because then Ichiha stops what he's doing. You know he was trying to kill Dora with the seek attack, but now he goes. Allow me to explain. My name is Futakuchi. I'm not proud of this, but I am a small fry Mononoke, too weak for the force field to detect. So I take over human bodies and use their strength. And I was hopping from human to human and got lucky and possessed a samurai. So I'm going to use your friend's body to attack you now. And uh, Dora goes, no, Ichiha, wake up. Don't let this thing get the best of you. And Ichiha says, you're wasting your breath. As long as I even control the body, he's unconscious. Even when I'm spilling his samurai secrets and killing his friends, he just sleeps peacefully through it all. A tear falls from his eye. Oh, I guess that she has not actually asleep through this. He's crying right now. Uh, and then he starts to mock him and be like, oh, it's so funny. Come and get me if you can. I've merged with his brain. Here's my very obvious body sticking out of his head to present an obvious target. The only way to separate us is if I choose to leave. Do you want me to kill? Do you want to kill me and your friend? Can you? And then Dora says, Kusunagi, can we cut off that part of his head? No, Dora. It's merged with his brain. Well, what do we do? Dora, cut him with just the tip. <laughs> And then, so he rushes forward and slashes with with supernatural energy, and Achiha just stands there, and a slash goes through his forehead, and Fukuchi goes, no way, they did it! 
and he there gets really flooded with supernatural energy in the Mononoke. What the fuck? They did it. They rule. <laughs> the Mononoke blasts out of Achiha's head, and then they cut it in half and destroy it. Oh, man. Can Achiha recover from this? Uh, he's breathing. He's fine. All right. Oh. The saga of Achiha's betrayal. <laughs> Thank God. What An a... epic half chapter long story. <laughs> <laughs> what a climactic end. Like, oh no. Wait, never mind. We did it. <laughs> the day is saved. Oh, we still have like six uh, pages left. There's more, what but if, it's just like, here's another, here's more villains. Here's more villains. Yeah. It's lieutenants, the Phantom Command. Yeah. Here they are. Just, oh, God, this is. It's so weird when a shonen story gets to a point where it's like, all right, I had two years of story planned out for this arc and I have to do it in a month. So let me just hit the accelerator on all the plot points. It's just very weird and awkward. It definitely is. But it's also one of those things that just like, what is the point of any of this now? Like, I don't know. I wish the series would get so much more wild. Like, I wish it got like, we need a bone bus. We need a bone bus. We need uh we need a candy mech. We need whatever shit these series pull out in like the last chapter. You're just like, I'm sorry. Why now? Why on the way out? But it is what it is. Let's talk about. Yes, I've got a, I've got, I've got a, I've got a puzzle for you, Quinn. <gasps> for me. Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure about this, but I wanted to reference one particular weird thing. So here we go. Prince of Peace, please. People, phone my parent. Somebody call my mama. Mm. Is it Brodus Clay? No. Okay. You're on the right track. He did get that. He did get that. I mean, it it can't be Ernest the Cat Miller. No. Okay, because I was going to say. Am I on the right track of somebody calling yes, my mom? Yes, okay. you are 100% on the right track. Who else got that? There is rap? one more person. Who else got that stupid... What was it? Pr- the Prince, Prince of, of Peace. Prince of Peace. Peace being like war and peace? Yes. Okay. Prince of Peace. Somebody call my mama. Uh, Prince of Peace. Wow. Hmm. Who else had that stupid fucking theme song? As far as I know, there was only one other instance where it was used. This wasn't wasn't their regular theme song. Like, was it a one-off? It was a one-off, yes. Prince of Peace. Either you know the incident where it was used or you don't. I feel like I do. I feel like I do remember a third person getting this. Um... But I don't remember who it is. Okay. So I've I've blocked out enough of my mind. <laughs> Can I it's, get a hint? I had to look up what the uh, the titles to get Prince of Peace, but it's um an astonishingly popular figure figure in culture that goes well beyond the realms of wrestling. So, like an icon of wrestling? No, like. They pre they predate wrestling. Jesus? Is it Jesus? It's God. 
What? So, <laughs> sorry. to tell the story to people. Oh, is this what Vince McMahon wrestled? Vince McMahon <laughs> was mocking Shawn Michaels for he being a He gave him the Cat Miller's theme song. And so he was like, Shawn Michaels and your tag match against me and my son Shane, your only partner is going to be God. Because apparently that's all you need is God in your corner. So he's going to be in your corner. And they did this whole stupid thing because Vince McMahon is a weird motherfucker who allegedly also abuses uh, women in his employ, by the way. Can't un- can't understate that. Uh, he so they had him. They shined a spotlight coming down the stage where like an angelic choir played as, quote unquote, God made his entrance. And then halfway down the, the ramp. Vince McMahon said, no, you're going to do things my way. And instead, the spotlight, quote unquote, came down to the stage while somebody called my mama played because he was like, get down, God, because Vince McMahon is fucking weird. Yeah, this is a thing that happened. Yes, God. (laughs) All right. That's fair. That is a good one. And I I do appreciate that. I believe it's Owen one in the WWE because of that. (laughs) God lost? Yeah. <laughs> but Nick, he can't lose. God is infallible. Just like I was taught in cat in Catholic high school, the Pope is also infallible, so the Pope is never wrong. So if the Pope is ever wrong, uh, a central piece of like reality has been shattered, and I believe we're all supposed to die. Yay! <laughs> Peep 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 peep. Chapter forty one Confession and Hope. Uh by the way, thank you, Ninja X3I, for telling me that I should read chapter nine to get context for what's going on in this chapter. <laughs> uh yeah, we get we get a picture of Rin uh sitting in a chair next to another empty chair. Also, they are wearing shoes. <sighs> Yeah, like they are. Those high are high heels with spikes on. Those are an aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so first up is going to be Rin. Uh, and immediately <laughs> Rachiro looks at them and just is like, I mean, that's Saiba. And the Rachel is like, look, I do it, you know, all throughout the meetings and rehearsal. You know, they he never showed his face. He never spoke. But that's Saiba, my old friend Saiba. And um, Rin says, you're right. Like, Rachel didn't say any of this out loud, but clearly Saiba knew that he knew. So he removes his mask and discards it and thinks to himself, I'm Rindo Saiba, and today will be my last day as a pianist. Uh, and of course, the eye is like, oh, my God, he dropped his mask. Uh, we cut to uh, backstage where uh, everyone who's not performing starts talking and Fanta says, yeah, so Rin anonymously uploaded his performance online and it got picked up for a foreign drama. He became a really popular pianist and his real name is Rindo Saiba. And Lucky says, well, why'd you pick him for your team? And Fanta says, oh, you know, he's, he's a friend of a friend of Maloli and he asked to be on my team, even though father banished him. So I said no at first, but then he said, I have to battle Rajiro. I don't care if Gakuan finds out and punishes me again. So I thought, yeah, sure. He's popular. I can use him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rajiro is 
rather Rin is thinking about Reijiro and he thinks, you know, I knew about the Otogami family before I met you. But back then you seemed so helpless. So I reached out my hand without knowing hell awaited me. Jesus Christ, this manga. <laughs> it's about pianos. <laughs> it's about a little more than pianos now, Nick. Mm. He starts to play Pomp and Circumstance, and there is a very striking visual effect of just the notes that are all in this like cascading line as they're stacked on top of each other because Rin specializes in marches. Uh, and uh, as he's playing... Some of the notes like fall into his hands and stuff. All sorts of weird stuff happens. Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he's really popular. Like he's it's like he's got an army marching for him and he's in command of his troops. I guess he just has charisma. And Rin thinks, yeah, I used to think that about myself, too, because even the genius Reijiro Otogami would tag along after me and I could never beat him in competition. It was frustrating. But despite that, number one would always follow number two. It was like the more that Reijiro shown, the more my own charisma would be guaranteed. That and only that was something I was proud of. But then he lost on purpose. I learned he'd done it because he felt sorry for me since I never came in first. My pride disappeared, leaving only jealousy toward the shining genius. And, uh, yeah. Then he tried to put a razor in Reijiro's piano to <laughs> hurt him. Uh, the entire seat time this is happening with like explaining all this backstory because I can't hear pomp and circumstance without thinking of the Macho Man. So I just imagine him being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ever like, since then, I've been trash. Garbage. Like he's climbing the piano. He's like, I love this song. Play it louder. Play it louder. <laughs> uh, you think that you're trash? Let me tell you something about that no good hot dog and grandstand and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> This is a diss track I wrote about him. <laughs> I had a rap album. Did you know that? <laughs> it's called Hulk Hogan Sucks. <laughs> and it's 20 straight minutes of me telling you Hulk Hogan sucks here. Uh, so, Rin admits to himself that he became an awful person and by the time I calmed down and realized how horrible I'd been I was all alone and I'd enter competitions and get no response my family's music shop closed down thanks to the video I uploaded because I needed money I became really popular but I lost my pride no praise will change the fact that these hands hurt Rageiro. the truth won't disappear even on the verge of death, I'd never ask for forgiveness. But if I can make one wish, please kick my ass with your piano playing. And he's crying like tears boiling up and spilling down. Uh, he's got this manic grimace across his face. He wants so desperately for, for him to be punished via Rageros playing the piano. <laughs> 
This is crazy. <laughs> this is so wild. Like, it's such a wild series. Oh, uh, and the last thing he thinks I was, he seemingly finishes his performance is, I understand you were a genius who yearned to be normal, but to me, you were special. And now I can have an honest battle with you. I want to end my career proud that I fought at the end. Yeah, it's it's the, this guy's these kids. It's so extra. You're like, look, children, I <laughs> I want you to take care of yourselves, please. Like, it's it's just piano. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so this was an intense chapter. Um, and I guess we'll get Rajiro's response in the next one. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what his response is. I, I mm. think uh, I think it's going to be good. I think I, I think Rajiro is going to. I feel like Rajiro is going to lose this match. Maybe not lose it intentionally, but he's going to try to lift this character because it would mm. kind of suck if this character shows up just big. Like, I'm really sorry I was Dick Rajiro and Lewis is here. Like what? What was the point? Like no, yeah. I'm just kind of sad. Maybe there can be, you know, maybe Rachel will try and imitate Lucky, whom he loves and respects so much, Aww, and try and reach out would, to this guy instead. That would be very beautiful, actually. Yeah. That would be extremely sweet. And then this series can get even gayer, which yeah. would be great. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscle. Chapter 116, Rio Grants. Et al. And Stormy the Castle. Sorry, I stopped and I was like, wait, there's something else there. I can't read it with the font size. Um, so Finn opens the door, thus fulfilling my proclamation last week. Finn didn't need to be MVP last week. He's going to do something big this week. He did. He opened the door and passed out, basically. Um, but Rio Grants catches him and is like, great job. Like, you did great. And Finn is like, I don't deserve praise Like from a divine visionary. Like... I almost gave up. I almost ditched everybody. I'm a wimp. And Rio Grants is actually very sweet where he just says, yeah. you're human. Every human feels that way. It just takes a man to see it through. So, of course, Finn is very excited. And Rio even says, like, he did better than I thought he was going to. Yes, Mash must have rubbed off on him. And although Rain doesn't say it, he is probably very proud of his brother as well. I do like that Dot uh, just like rushes over and it's like, oh, Finn, you're alive. It's yeah. a nice little background thing. Very so. sweet. Uh, he does stop. He's like, wait, hold on. Are you and your brother are on bad terms or something like that? And Finn explains like, yeah, well, he hasn't really spoken to me since I entered Easton because my grades have always been poor. I've always kind of mm -hmm. been facing expulsion. And he just is kind of disappointed in his clumsy brother. He doesn't expect anything, you know, anything from me. Well, he's so talented. I don't have anything. And Rio's like, well, maybe we can't compare you two, but in any case, today, you're the hero. So very sweet. Oh. And then they're like, all right, let's get into this place. Uh, there's a joke about, like, as they approach, a bunch of black cats walk by, and Dot's like, that's bad luck. And then one of them runs up and scratches him, and the scratch mark is in the shape of 666. He's like, this is really bad luck. But they make it to the castle. They open it up. And there's like a flower garden. And Dot's like, oh, this is great. Like, there's a whole bunch of flowers here. I could play loves me, loves me not. And he picks up a flower and he's like, hey, what's going on? And then suddenly, like a bunch of 
uh, bugs crawl out of it. And Lance faints as we find out he doesn't like ghosts or bugs. That's a new detail, I think. Uh, And Dot just looks like he's like, this is so pathetic. (laughs) This is is bad. Uh, Everyone starts fighting, but basically what this amounts to, like, wait, these bugs are sapping our magic power. We have to leave this room. Everybody get out however you can. Everyone for themselves, basically. Dot reaches a wall. He's like, ah, I gotta I gotta get out of here, but how can I do it? If only I had something heavy. And he just grabs Lance by the head and slams his face first through the wall. It's such a great moment. Like, I need something hard and heavy to bash the wall down. He just shoves his head through the wall. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, yeah, we did it. Uh, Innocent Zero is watching on. He's like, ah, oh, they've made it far, but your progress will come to a halt here. And Dot or uh, Lance at this point is no longer paralyzed by bugs. And he's just like, I am going to fucking kill you. Uh, and they start fighting. But then someone comes up who's going slide off, slide off, 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 off. And who should it be? But I believe Epidem, the uh, poison guy, or the pudding guy. We don't know anything about poison. Uh, and he's there, and they're like, holy crap, this guy, he defeated a visionary. There's something off about him. And we cut over, and Telesaster is there as well, and he's he's sitting on his throne. And we see Finn and Rain are there, and he says, mm-hmm. mm, today's going to be fun. And then I forget this Famine, that's his name. Famine is like, I like your glasses to order Maddle. He's, he's doing like the, the little glasses thing like ooh, i want your glasses i'm going to take them and there it looks like they're fighting in a giant circus rink it's very very crazy so uh we don't get the conclusion but we can only presume that rio is going to uh run into doom at some point uh and then we get kind of an exciting i don't know why maybe i'm just a simp for Marshall. i know i'm a simp for Marshall. let me correct myself i'm a simp for Marshall. so this moment actually got me kind of hype because stupid little scruffy dude is just like, I can't turn this. He's a goner for sure. If only someone was capable of turning this key. And Lemon shows up and she's like, the cavalry's here. <laughs> and even like the little dude's like, Man. she's like, fuck you. <laughs> she didn't say that. She should. She should just be like, fuck you. You fucking You're dick. worthless. Yeah. <laughs> I for some reason, love this moment. <laughs> Just he's so like, ah, Mash's fiance is here to rescue him. <laughs> announcing her and she's like, yeah, I'm here to save everything. <laughs> Good for you, Lemon. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm pretty sure we still don't even know if you even have magic at this point. <laughs> she's, she's just been getting by on, like, she's just been cheating. That'd be the best. Like, Mash has always been, like, having to figure out these crazy ways to get around it. She's just been cheating the shit out of the system to get it, stay in the school. Oh, yeah. 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 A, a few nice laughs to be found through the chapter, I I, I would say. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to how a lot of the different notes that we leave off on in that yeah. chapter. Are gonna go. But let's head over to the Elusive Samurai. Chapter 71, Sadamune 1335. Uh, so Sadamune, yeah decided he was going to just go and kill Tokiyuki at the very moment that he declared who he was and revealed himself. And uh, Sami's like 
really hard on himself, of course, because like, oh my god, he's been hiding in plain sight this whole time. But he freaking leaps up the cliff that Tokyuki delivered his big speech on, fires an arrow. Fortunately, one of the generals gets in the way, uh, uses a log to block it, and the arrow tears through the entire log, just splits it into splinters. But uh, it gives Tokyuki a chance to get away. He leaps across a horse and just rides off in what looks like a total panic, uh, which uh, frustrates Kojiro because he calls out like, if, if, if you hadn't fled, we could we could have swarmed him. We could have surrounded Sadamune and taken out this really important commander. Um, and Sadamune is, you know, thinking to himself like, oh, my God, it all makes sense that Chojimaru was this prince this whole time because he his behavior was so refined he always looked so determined wait the pattern on his clothes was just the hojo symbol but slightly rearranged the cheek of that little asshole (laughs) he's so angry about it uh as he chases after tokyuki he observes that his horsemanship has improved significantly since they had their dog hunting battle um but he gets to himself like look it's always felt kind of weird that I was dealing with a child and focusing on him. So I wasn't really taking him seriously. I was repeatedly overlooking him. I can't make any excuses anymore to Takaoji Sama. He told me to find the remaining Hojo. This isn't just a child. You could become a lord who shakes the land. I must kill you. And we get this big Nanbokucho tag thing with this really cool image of the two of them arranged almost in like a, a dance. They're stylized with this arrow flying between them. It looks really cool. Um, some people are panicking because Tokyuki and uh, Sadamune are far ahead of them. They can't interfere. But Yorishige says, no, it's fine. Tokyuki is thrilled. He's being chased. No one's better at being chased than him. Uh, and of course, Tokyuki is getting really excited from, from this chasing battle. And Yorishige says that this is actually like not just a battle between two opponents. They've actually developed a weird relationship as like master and apprentice. Sadamune has been a kind of father to him. This so Tokyuki seeks only one thing. And Tokyuki uh, gets to this like shallow riverbank. Uh, and he has a choice on where he can, which side of the river he can flee on. And so he gets on the right hand side of the riverbank, which will make it more difficult for Sadamune. But Sadamune thinks to himself, oh, he's already forgotten the dog hunt. He knows he just has forgotten that I hit my prey on that side. I'm the best archer in the land. This isn't a problem. And Tokyuki, as he's fleeing, his horse seems to slip on some rocks, knock him off balance, and Sadamune gets really excited. He's like, this is it. This is my opening. He fires an arrow, and Tokyuki does this absurd, like, split-legged duck underneath it and easily dodges it. And Tokyuki thinks to himself as he, ev- as he evades the attack, just as I love to flee from danger, Sadamune loves tricky shots. And when, he's fo- when we focus on what we love doing, we fail to notice certain things. And because Sadamune was so focused on taking that shot, he forgot to watch out for that tree. And he hits a branch in a weirdly comedic fashion because his eyes that are constantly bulging, like, pop out of his head for just this one panel. It's 
kind of gross. It is kind of funny in my mind because I do like the idea that his eyes are so big they could just be like, boop. <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. Uh, so yeah, Toki actually faked losing his balance just so Sadamune would get focused on firing after him, forget to watch out for trees, and he's freaking knocked off of his horse because he was chasing it full se- speed and hit his fucking head off the branch. Uh, so Sadamune falls from his horse, his bow is ruined, he draws his sword as Tokyuki just kind of trots up and Tokyuki says, I'm too young to know what happens next. So I wanted to see you before I leave Shinano. I may die without accomplishing anything, but I'm going to try to reclaim the throne. And this gets Sadamone really pissed off because like, you're not going to reclaim the throne. You just you just got lucky. I'm going to kill you. But uh, Ichi. uh Okay, Ichi Ichikawa rides up and is like, uh, we're deep into enemy territory by ourselves. We need to run away now and just kind of pulls them away, pulls them onto his horse and they flee. They get back to their own troops and Sadamune is really pissed off at just how much Tokyuki has grown. Uh, and he thinks of him as like a slippery eel that is evading capture. Uh, and he realizes the more that he slips away, the more that he grows, the more that he flees in utter impudence as someone who can neither flee nor rule. I envy you that. So keep eluding me, Hojo Tokiyuki. Keep flying until I shoot you from the sky. And it ends on this bizarrely poignant note. Like we go from, you know, Sadamune being humiliated and made a fool of and looking silly as he as he's screaming and yelling. He's just had his eyes pop out of his head from hitting a branch to him imagining Tokyuki as this angelic figure flying away from him and thinking of him as this ultimate prey for him to pursue. And it seems that we're going to get a lot more of the rivalry between these two characters for a while. It is interesting. I really thought we were going to get a conclusion to that, but I kind of like how their relationship seems to shift and change. This idea that he is, he is molted away from being the, you know, ah, I will get you, Tokyuki, to like an honorable hunter being like, I will one day hunt you down because you continue to elude me, my angelic prey. I don't know. It's just like a cool evolution of their dynamic. Yeah. It's, uh, puts him in a more respectful light, uh, which was an odd uh, turn. It was also weird that we got this whole big thing of like, Namokucho tag. Uh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap things up with Chainsaw Man. However, before yeah. we do that, we have to really quickly mention two things. One, One Piece comes back next week. Yes. Uh, and two, Black Cover comes back the week after that. So we'll have both of those series come back into the recap. Uh, at that point, we'll probably have to reevaluate cha- where Chainsaw Man's going to be in yeah. the recap, but we'll we'll find some place for it. Yeah, we will. All right, it's Chainsaw Man, chapter ninety-nine. <laughs> Two birds. So, <laughs> our new hero? Question, question mark? mark? Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's a big question mark, but it's a valid one. Uh, she uh, she wakes up in uh, her bed uh, the day after, you know, she got possessed by the war devil and killed the class president and her teacher uh, because they tried to kill her. 
Um, and uh, gosh, what is her name? It's uh, Mitaka. So, so she remembers what happened, and she's like, "Was was all that a dream?" Especially because she looks at her reflection in the mirror and sees that she doesn't have scars from where her face was cut open. Uh, but just as as soon as she thinks that, um, her an image of like her war devil self with, you know, her hair wild and down and the cross shaped scar on her face appears directly next to her and says, nah, this is no dream girl. And Mitaka is surprised by this and stares at herself for a minute and tries pinching her cheeks to wake up. Like, no, it's not a dream that, that all that actually happened. Now go to school or I'll kill you. <laughs> So Mitaka keeps on trying to pinch her cheeks and she's like, no, it's not a dream. Look at the news. And of course, on the news, it says like, hey, a teacher and student were killed, found they're found dead. Uh, Mitaka is and she said and the war devil says, yeah, we killed them together. But Mitaka says, I didn't kill anyone. You killed them. And she lashes out and her hand goes right through the war devil's body because it's just an it's just a hallucination. It's just oh, the way that the war devil in her head is appearing before her. The war devil explains, you died yesterday and I claimed your body. Uh, and Mitaka gets some more details as they head off to her school saying, yeah, I left half of your brain intact because I don't really know how to interact with human society. So this will keep people from finding out I'm a devil while I infiltrate your school. And of course, Mitaka wants to know, well, why do you want to go to my school? And she says, because the chainsaw man is there. Uh, and she has Mitaka pull something out of her pocket, which is a button, which belongs to this school's uniforms. She says, I, a devil that was killed by a chainsaw man was clutching that button. So clearly the chainsaw man must be going to this school. And... If we look at chapter 97, which was introducing, you know, the high school setting. Yeah, that that uniform that Denji's wearing. Yeah, eh, it could be it. I mean, it's a pretty generic looking uniform, but it could be it. So. Um, so she wants to go and find the chainsaw man and freaking kill him. But uh, Mitaka says, uh, and she looks at the school and says, I don't really want to go in there. Well, if you don't obey me, I'm going to take over the rest of your brain and then you'll actually die. And Mitaka thinks this over and just thinks about the way her class was looking at her after she, quote unquote, killed uh, Bucky and says, I still don't want to go to school. And the war devil says, I, I will seriously kill you. No, I actually destroy the rest of your brain and take over your body and you'll die. And Mitaka says, I I'd rather die than go in there, which <laughs> jeez. you know, I can relate a little bit. I, yeah. Eh. So the word devil starts to get frustrated, but uh, a male student comes up next to Mitaka, who, of course, to him just looks like she's just kind of just having a weird moment to herself. Uh, and uh, he says, hey, you OK there? You do. Do you want me to walk you to the nurse's office? And this guy, look at him. He's got all the piercings in his ears and perfect hair. Look at this boy. There's probably something wrong with him. So <laughs> it's Chainsaw Man. Um, it, Mitaka kind of gets flustered. So the War Devil's like, ask him if he knows where the Chainsaw Man is. <laughs> yeah. Do it. 
ask him where Chainsaw Man is. Like, you don't understand how this works. And it's great. He's like, where's Chainsaw Man? <laughs> he's like, oh, no. Uh, by the way, people point out this is Yoshida, the uh, octopus guy. Oh. Oh, okay. I didn't think he was this young. No. But, okay. Yeah. So Mitaka, uh, the word Mitaka's like, I'm not, because she's trying to argue with the war devil while Yoshida's like, who are you talking to? And eventually the war devil's like, I'll ask him, takes over his body. And she goes, boy, do you know anything about Chainsaw Man going to this school? And her scars appear too, which uh, Yoshida, you know, hesitates for a minute. is like, well, I mean, I heard there was a rumor that, but, you know, I just transferred here. So I don't know much else. So if he is Yoshida, he's probably lying. But um, uh, so Mita- War Devil Mitaka thinks for a second and is like, hmm, boy, I love, shall I make you my boyfriend? I love that she fucking talks like she is fucking Kratos. <laughs> hey, boy, <laughs> boy, want to be my boyfriend, boy. <laughs> Mitaka has a great reaction face to this, like, <laughs> and Yoshida, smooth as hell. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> Mitaka, of course, is like, why did you ask him out? And the war devil says, I have the power to turn what is mine into weapons. If that boy fell for me, it would make him mine. No, I could turn him into a weapon then. I want to turn as many humans into weapons as I can to go to war with Chainsaw Man. (laughs) This is dope. (laughs) It's so silly, but it's it's pretty good, too. This is way above Mitaka's level of understanding. Like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like clenching and unclenching her hands, trying to come to like grips of what is going on. And then she realizes, like, wait a second, hold up, I'm involved with some serious stuff right now. <laughs> it's a great understatement. And then she just kind of like fully realizes, like, the devil who murdered my teacher and the class resident is. In my body, possessing me. It's the war devil. Because th- that's really scary. She must be really strong. And even if I... Like, can, can I ever have, like, a normal life now? Oh, man. I've, I've got to, like, talk to a devil hunter and see if they can do something about the situation. That, of course, the war devil's like, if you tell anyone about me, I'm going to kill you. You can't hide your thoughts from me. Yeah, I do love like, that. Like, I, Like, they waited until this point kind of came around and then they're like, you know, I could hear everything you're saying, right? Like, oh, right. God damn it. Yeah. It's the right time to reveal where she's thinking to herself, like, oh, what do I do? What do I do is that you can't, I, I can read your thoughts. You've got to do what I tell you or I will kill you. So, um, so the war devil proclaims we're going to join the devil hunter club to find chainsaw man. If we could beat chainsaw man, I'll return your body. And uh, Mitaka doesn't really have a choice but to agree with this person who has no reason to tell her the truth, of course. So they go to the Devil Hunter Club trials. (laughs) This is so weird. So there's some 
guy who's like really pumped up is like, we're going to patrol the city for devils in groups of three. This is your induction ceremony test. You've got a week to bring back a dead devil. If you can kill a devil, we'll let you in the club for killing devils. Um, and they get divided up, I guess, randomly by the existing club. And Mitaka winds up on a team with Yoshida and with a girl who's got short hair and glasses. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's where we end the chapter. It's pretty funny. I, I, I do like it. It's, it's interesting. Because I actually read this chapter only earlier today. And I was almost going to ask in our Discord. I was like, does Chainsaw Man actually show up in this chapter? And he does it. So there is a part, big part of me that's like, when's Chainsaw Man mm. going to show up? But it, it is pretty funny. And, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. I really like what's going on with this sudden new point of view character that we've got going on with Mitaka. Um, I do like that Denji is being saved for right now. I don't imagine that he'll will have to wait too long for him to show up um but uh i'm really liking getting to you know know mitaka and know the situation that she is dealing with uh and oh it's, it's sneaking up on me i just get this feeling like is this just another character that you're gonna maybe get attached to so then i'll be sad when you kill them yeah um honestly i would kind of like it if we just like had you know this be the introduction of like a long-term major supporting character instead but we'll see how it works out yeah i think we're going to all right that's it that's it let's wrap this up let's go home nick okay uh so to go home we've got to name our favorite chapter of the week an MVP. So let's do that. Yeah. Uh, mine's going to be pretty easy this week because there was one chapter that really stood out and the rest of them were fairly good, but one chapter really stood out and that is Undead Unlock and then Billy. Uh, both of those felt like easy slam dunks. It was a really, really cool reveal. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with... Whew, let me just double check real quick. Uh, I am also going to go with Undead and Luck, but I'm going to go with uh, with Sadamune for my character. I can agree with that. There's, you know, there was a lot of different stuff we saw from him, you know, comedic stuff, but then also the very, you know, more almost romanticized version of it. Like, oh, this is, you know, the eternal chase that's going on. It's, uh, yeah. Good stuff. The audience, by the way, picked uh, Billy as her character of the week, but Akane Banashi as the mm. chapter of the week, which I could totally yeah. understand. All right. Well, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week. We have been Nick and Quinn, your hosts, uh, to follow us on Twitter. Uh, she is at Reloti. I am at Nick F. Time. And we are at WR Podcast. And uh, follow us for updates for when the show starts, because we record generally around 730 Eastern time on Wednesday evenings. But uh, to stay updated and when exactly the show goes live, follow us on Twitter or join the Discord server. Also, the Discord server has great conversations between our wonderful community. Uh, when new chapters in the series that we recap come out, uh, discussions about the series that we are working on for our recommendation. You can also use the uh, Discord server to find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i, which logs all of the stuff that we have taken as recommended series or that are on our 
to-do list, basically, that people have said, hey, check this out. You can add your vote to it and say, I also want to see that. Or you can also make your own suggestions. And also there's statistics on there that are like MVP voting over the past seven years or something along those lines. Stuff that I would forget if it weren't being tracked for us. Thank you. Uh, we also want to extend special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Check that out. And you can also get stuff like monthly other recap and bonus episodes that we record. Uh, we most recently uploaded just buddy chat where we just talked about random stuff. I haven't uploaded and... it yet. It's coming up very soon. Okay. Check it out soon for when the <laughs> upload happens. Very, very soon. No pressure. So. Uh, I want everyone to say hello to Professor Peanuts, by the way. He can hear you right now. He can't. Uh-huh. But... Maybe, maybe he can. Cats have good hearing. Isn't that right, Professor Peanuts? Aw. He did a little cat shake. He did. Cat shake of the head. Uh, I lost my train of thought because cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's how my life has been recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, Patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. You can also check out our past episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. Uh, YouTube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap has the video versions. You can also listen to them generally wherever podcasts can be listened to, like uh, like uh, Spotify and iTunes. And uh, if you go on YouTube, you can also see the title cards that have been made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out at Twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. And you can also see the opening sequence made for us by Milo Jack Stilitz and Winsleydale Cheddar. Yes. All right. That's going to do it. Let's get out of here. Got things to do, places to be. Not really. This is like the end of my night. I'm going to walk the dog and go to bed. Sounds like a good oh, end of the night. Actually, I have one other thing. I should have mentioned this before. I started a TikTok account. Yes. Yeah. I, I now review books that I'm reading on TikTok. So you can find it at Quinn Spades on TikTok. And I'm bad at it. So <laughs> that. But I read a book about a blob boy. Uh, it's about a lot of people, but like there's six like kid characters, and one of them's a blob boy, and he's the greatest character I maybe have ever seen, and I would die for him. And I don't, I know people don't have the context; they haven't read the book or anything like that. But I just need you to know that I would die for Chauncey the Blob Boy. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. And that's how we're gonna end our manga podcast episode. Chauncey the Blob Boy. All right. Excellent. That'll be the title of the episode for people being like, what? Like, the episode's done. Where's the stupid title? <laughs> <laughs>